Sox Nation, it's a kind of a family. Wherever I roam, up and way home, that's where I long to be. I'm a member of a Red Sox Nation, it's a kind of insanity. Yeah, I live and die with Red Sox pride for eternity. I make a smile November until Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bets podcast covering Boston Red Sox baseball. For everyone staying up late tonight on Periscope, the podcast, as always, can be found on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and literally everywhere. And for those of you currently on Periscope, you can just click the iTunes link up above the video window, click subscribe from there, and that's all you got to do. And while you're at it, rate us five stars, give us a review. You know, any comments or any feedback is is good feedback. You can you can even make fun of us if you want to. Uh, I am Terry Cushman, and I'm joined as always by Jeremy Schilling and Stephanie Allen. And I should also say the Boston Red Sox wrapped up a four-game set against the Chicago White Sox, taking it three to one. However, I think we can all agree it should have been a sweep, but uh, three to one nonetheless. How are you guys? Doing good. Happy Sunday. It's nice to be uh, covering the Sox tonight. This is my first podcast where we actually came away with a series win. So pretty excited for that this season. Absolutely. I am as good as I've been. <laughs> it's, it's never like good. It's you got to add the as, 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 as I've been. been, as I've been at the end. But that's fine. He always has a qualifier. A qualifier. Yes. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, given the way the series started, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm good. I mean, it still hurts to sit a little bit after blowing that game in the ninth inning. And it's such a gut punch to have it go down the way it did because we're on the road, so we don't get a chance to respond in the bottom half of the inning because that was the bottom half of the inning. And, and uh, ugh, what a way to end it. But... Three in a row, the runs, you know, we, we destroyed their pitching. And we'll get into some theories later on uh, in the final segment. But um, one game under 500, so. Heading in the right direction. Absolutely. Well, Jeremy, why don't Terry, you... Terry, do you want to undermine the recap a little bit more, or should I get going here? <laughs> Uh, you know what? Go ahead. Man, I've missed both of you. Try not to uh, spoil. 34, 34 runs scored by the Sox in this series. The game one was Price versus Lucas Giolito. Get ready to hear a whole bunch of names that uh, the average baseball fan has not heard of. Um, actually, even more the more advanced fans certainly have not heard of some of these people. Price was uh, okay. A quality start, six innings pitch, seven hits, three-year run. Giolito was okay. Five innings pitch, three runs. 
uh, the Sox, uh, the White Sox pen, one earned run in four, in four innings. They were very good. Uh, Workman was good. Barnes was good. Brazier was a product of a really, really bad error by Devers, and we're going to get into that in a little bit more. Which led to Nicky Della Monica hitting his first home run of the year. He's had 28 at bats on the year. Hits a ball to to center, left center. Uh, that it seemed like Jackie Bradley Jr. was going to be able to make a play on. He had a ball earlier in the game, too, where we thought he was going to make a play. He didn't make either of them, no fault of his own. Uh, but, uh, yeah, heartbreaking fashion. The game was long, and I was up late um, to watch it, so that was a really miserable way to go to bed. Notes from this game. Benny hit a home run, um, and Betts and J.D. with three hits apiece. So the offense was okay. Um, but uh, obviously Brazier blew the save and ended with the loss. Red Sox lose to the White Sox 4-6. to six. Game two, Chris Sale versus Reynaldo Lopez. This is Sale's best start, and I really, really hope it's a jumping point. Six innings pitch, three hits, 10 Ks, one base on ball. Uh, Reynaldo Lopez, not great. Five innings pitch, eight hits, six earned. Uh, the pen was good again for the White Sox. Four innings pitch, zero earned runs. The runs they got in this one were against Lopez. Um... It's just some notes. This was a, a pretty relatively easy win. Um, they traded runs early, and then the, 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 then the uh, Red Sox put it away in the sixth. So three in the first, capped by a Devers home run. He had three RBIs. Uh, three in the sixth by Chavis's home run. JD had three hits. Um, Benny, Bogart, Devers, and Chavis all had two knocks in this one. Sox win six to one. Then it got fun. Okay, the Sox uh, scored a touchdown, kicked the extra point, scored another touchdown, went for two to rub it in, and won 15-2 behind Erod, who was uh, uh, pretty good here, 16 pitch, one earned run, six Ks with a walk. Manny Belnuto sucked. I mean, he sucked <laughs> to the point where it was an epic, it was epic suckage, to use Terry's term. Two and two-thirds, ten hits, nine earned runs, three, three home runs. A ball gets fisted to center. I think it was Benny. Ben Benintendi hit a ball that, that probably could have hung up a little bit. If a center fielder was playing a little shallower, the game the game uh, goes into the fourth without incident. As it were, it falls. What led was a historic third inning, and if you haven't seen it, uh, after you finish listening to this podcast and after you go rate us five stars, even though Terry has bad takes, uh, go watch the third inning. Ten straight hits, nine runs, put it away. Awesome game to watch for, for a for a, a team that has struggled throughout most of this year, it was really enjoyable just to sit back and watch them kick the shit out of the other team. Game four, uh, Porcello versus Dylan Covey. Uh, Porcello, again, good. Six innings pitch, five hits, two earned, seven Ks. The Sox starting pitching in this series was really good. It was just overshadowed by really uh, impressive offensive output. Covey, Covey was okay, four and two-thirds, five hits, two earned. Um, Workman, Walden, and... Uh, who pitched the ninth? I can't remember. Three innings pitched, zero earned runs. The bullpen was really good in this series, too, but for uh, Brazier. Kelvin uh, Herrera absolutely sucked. Terry's boy. Two-thirds mm-hmm. of an inning, three, three hits, five earned runs, obviously capped by Xander's grand slam in the eighth, which put this thing away. Um. Just some notes from this game. Devers and Moreland, each with two hits. Uh, Moreland also had two RBIs. The Sox drew nine walks in this game. Nine walks. Really good plate discipline. Um, that's an underrated part of offensive put out, uh, 
output, in my opinion. A team that can get on base without hits, uh, wins games, uh, has more at-bats with people in positions to score runs. Nine walks is a really impressive stat. I just wanted to highlight that. Sox win 9-2 as Terry attempted to ruin the recap. Sox are 17-8, and eight, five back in the AL East, two and a half back in the wild card. They have done what they need to do to get back in this thing, and now we lead into the Orioles. Uh, and before play started, to, the Orioles have a run differential of negative 68 runs. No other team is worse than negative, I think, 38. So they, when I say suck, they suck as bad as you could possibly suck. So, uh, great series. Overcame game one. A lot of teams would have had that be a snowball effect. This team's showing signs, including signs of rebounding from game one. So, really impressive. Uh, three out of four against the White Sox. Yeah, and you know, I mean, on paper, they weren't bad. I think coming into, I don't know if it was Friday or Saturday's game, they were only two games under five hundred. So, you know... You know, maybe they overperformed a little bit, but they had given us fits in the past. I was at two out of the three games of the homestand last year we had against them, and we lost that series. Uh, the only game we won was the David Price start. So just one of those teams that, that kind of annoys me a little, and I wasn't going to be shocked if, if this series was a split or so, and I would consider a split, you know, disappointing, but... Um, it could have happened. Minnesota's another one of those teams, too. It just doesn't matter how good or bad they are, especially in Minnesota. So kind of a kind of a weird division for us anyway. But we did what we had to do. It would have been nice to get the uh, the sweep because instead of being 17 and 18, we're 18 and 17 at that point. We're one game above, and we got a nice little cupcake series uh, starting tomorrow against the Orioles, but it gets pretty tough after that. You got For the rest of the month, you have, we start with the Mariners. We got the Astros home and away. We got a Toronto series in there. Uh, the Indians once, the Yankees once, uh, and I don't think we have Tampa, but... but it's good that we're kind of closing the gap now with some easy games because we got a storm coming and yeah. And apparently I'm talking to myself and uh, yeah. yeah, talking to myself, lost the connection. Oh, bear with me. Terry, you're back. I don't know what happened. It seems like the first 10 minutes of the show is cursed. I'm not going to redo everything I was just saying, but I, I was basically saying it's nice to get these wins um, before we have some tough games coming up. You know, in the second half of May, we have, you know, Seattle again. We got the Astros twice, the Indians once, the Yankees once. So tough games coming up in the, in the you know, three last two-thirds of the month. Oh, and hello. Yes. Oh, and, and sorry. Are we back? I think so. I, I don't know. This has been smooth so far. <laughs> oh, wow. We thought you tried to get rid of us, Terry. We found you. Yeah, I was like, screw these guys. I'm going solo. I'm going rogue tonight. Um, <laughs> you can't, get, but, uh, can't get rid of us? Yeah, no, I, can't, I wouldn't do that. I love this. <laughs> you know, podcasts to me is like, 
the adult version of like building forts when you were eight. Like the same level of excitement, I mean. And uh, you know, so that's that's what we're kind of doing. But anyway, uh, why don't we just get into heroes and zeros, where we will yeah, what a great transition. We will go through the series with our heroes of it, and then we it's going to be difficult tonight. But we'll go through our zeros. You know, the the non impressive. Uh, players of it but uh yeah so uh stephanie why don't you lead us off all right my hero is xander bogart i love bogey i think he's solid he clicks along doing what he does he doesn't get a lot of attention he's not super flashy he hits grand slam xander bogart he's my hero he's everybody's hero yeah he's been good all year and and yeah. You're right about the fact, and it's kind of funny because he signed this massive extension, and we've talked about that and what it took basically to sign a discounted extension with uh, Boris as his agent. But he's really done what he's done. Solid defense, you know, has continued to hit. He's been one of the lone bright spots even when the team was struggling, so I think that's a good choice there. My hero was is Ben Intendi. Uh, he, he was just – I'm sorry, Terry, do you want to jump in there? Uh, I can – to cover it in a bit. Go ahead. Okay, so just quickly, Ben Intendi's hitting leadoff. Um, he's starting to hit. He's had a couple opposite field home runs, which, you know, as, you know, even the most casual baseball fan knows means, you know, your sh- shoulder's staying in, your plant leg's down. If you're driving the ball the other way, that's really impressive. It means you're locked in. That's not why I'm highlighting Ben Intendi. I'm highlighting Ben Intendi because, Besides Chavis, who's obvious, and Terry's going to get into that in a second, nothing has sparked this team more than Benintendi getting on base at the top of the lineup. Whether it be walks, because he's, he's a good OBP guy, hits, driving the ball, he's got three home runs, he's got 18 RBIs. He's been really, really good in the last week, and he's now, his average is raised up after today, he's hitting 295. So Benintendi, with Chavis, and then Xander and JD been good all year, and also as a, as a side, also Mookie's definitely turned the corner. It's why I think this team's heading in the right direction. I can't wait to see where they are when we do this podcast in a week because I have a feeling we're going to be in a good spot. Well, thanks for ruining my uh, hero, Jeremy. Spoiler: it's it's called quid pro quo, Terrence. Everybody's going to be shocked I'm going with Chavis for having a four out of six game and belting a couple more homers and. My tablet is slow, but I'm pretty sure he's hitting 354 on the season now. And I uh, I had kind of a what seemed like a hot take yesterday, but it was really just designed to piss off a bunch of Yankee fans, which I try to do a minimum of once a day. Um, I said I said Bogarts is better than Gregorius. And Chavis is better than Stanton. And I mean, is he not? I mean, can we can we conclusively say that Chavis isn't better? I mean, he's not proven, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I'm willing to get into. I don't know if I'm willing. I mean, I I think Bogarts is as good, if not better, than Didi. It's tough because obviously he's coming back from the elbow injury, so like it, it. Recency bias obviously favors Xander and then the big contract. I think Didi Gregorius is a really good player, and I've been impressed by what he's been able to do coming out of the shoes of a Hall of Famer, which technically, I'm sorry, typically 
does not work. He, you know, Steve Young following Montana, Aaron Rodgers following Brett Favre. You know, those are the exceptions. Who started at shortstop after after Cal Ripken? I mean, typically the people that follow the the, the transcendent players don't do what Didi Gregorius is doing. I like Didi, but I'll I'll take Xander. I do think overall he's a better player. He's had zero health concerns, and Didi hadn't either. But you know, now that he has, I mean that that's a factor. Let's Chavis has been really good, and I his swing is awesome. If you just watch his profile view of his swings, like. Uh, I could jiff it into a loop and just sit there for like an hour and be like, oh, my God, this guy's swing is awesome. Let's not get crazy here with his place amongst, like, the greats in Major League Baseball right now. Yeah, no, and uh, I I took it further about an hour ago and said maybe he'll be an MVP <laughs> finalist. So let's, you know, I'm just – I'm having fun with Michael Chavis right now. And um, – Fun with Chavis. He's he's basically he's replicating what Will Middlebrooks did in 2012, coming out of the gates. I mean, and Middlebrooks's first 90 days was better than Ted Williams' first 90 days. So, uh, you know, I, I, it'll just be interesting, I guess, to see what's going on by the All Star break. But really excited. Got to see his teams adjust to him, right? What adjustments he has to make. Yeah. And yes. If, and if he's able to. Right. I mean, can I give? Can I give the hint on the first thing that you shouldn't do? Challenge uh, him in. I mean, his hands are utterly ridiculous. Yeah. The ball he hit down left for Terry's gonna correct me if I get this wrong. So give me a second. Four hundred and forty-nine feet. I think it was 453, but good, close enough. <laughs> oh, close enough. You're four feet oh, off, dude. I walked into that so bad. <laughs> I was off by four feet. But the key, the key, the key. Just so excited if you see him on the par- <laughs> periscope right now. He's just beaming. Uh, I said I think though. I'm not. So you can't. I can't. Uh, I'm gonna correct you, but I'm not sure. Oh well, he's not. Serious, <laughs> <laughs> no, just though. Getting back to baseball. His hands are unbelievable. I think the the, the adjustment that's coming, I, and, and the White Sox were just so bad from their starting pitching, yeah. this and that it just wasn't going to be from the White Sox. And the Orioles, by the way, are even worse. So I would expect Chavis to stay hot until we see some decent pitching. But with that said, you got to go soft away on this guy. You got to see if he's willing to hit the ball to right field, and I, I think he is. Um, he had a, he had a, a base hit at Fenway to right where he got jammed, but he he was going the opposite way. He dropped it into right field for a, uh, I think it was a two RBI single. So he's already done it to somebody. But what, like Pedroia, as good as he was the year he won the MVP and Rookie of the Year, and the years he was raking and he was the laser show and he was he was awesome. He had some great years. N- never hit for power to right center and right field. Just didn't do it. Didn't have that club in his bag. I think Chavis does. I mean, his swing is just—he's he. First of all, he's thicker, he's stronger, and obviously he's younger now. But his body type, I think, lends to the to a little bit of a better swing for opposite field. Whether he's willing to do it or not, we're going to find out. But this guy's been awesome. I mean, he's just honestly been awesome. I, blown away. I need someone to explain Carabas nicknaming nicknaming him the Ice Horse. I think it has something to do with Game of Thrones, but I really don't know. If they don't watch that show, so. I don't That's understand that either. Yeah, I'm not, I'm out of the loop on that one. 
I think Mikey Moonshot is a good, you know, is a good, you know, marketable nickname. But um, one other thing, though, I just want to point out, um, you know, with Mookie most likely not being here, Chavis could be the guy five years from now that Red Sox fans, like, desperately don't want to get rid of and could be in denial that there's a decent chance we could get rid of him. And who knows what will happen. I mean, if they're smart, you know, by like halfway through next season, maybe they'll get creative. We've seen the Braves do it with Acuna and Albies. I'm, I'm assuming Chavis is going to cost a lot more, you know, than, than what they got because their deals are relatively team-friendly. But I I hope they get creative with him if, if this keeps up and – we kind we kind of we kind of talked about his little Twitter tiff with some of the fans, and we won't get into that too much. But but aside from that little thing, he doesn't seem phased by Boston. I mean, there's no the pressure doesn't get to him, and he he came up at a time that was a little hostile. I mean, we were like six games under five hundred, and it was absolutely miserable. And the media, you know, was, you know, attacking the team. And I think maybe we had the benefit of two other Boston teams being in the playoffs. But he didn't come up in the most ideal of circumstances. And he's still thriving. So I'm... Yeah, Cora said it from day one, right? Cora said he he belongs here. He acts with confidence. He's confident and, and acts like someone who belongs in the big league. Yeah, absolutely. So I just... That's a key component to to someone that you know you you want on this team, you know, for as long as you can keep him. So, um, so oh, let ahead. me just chime in here quickly, Terry. Sure. Uh, I our brains are so different. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, the fact that you are already talking about. His impending unrestricted free agency five years from now. The guy's been in Major League Baseball for two fucking weeks, bro. Fifteen games, and he's been awesome. And yeah, if he projects the way he's swinging the bat, and he can figure it out a little bit better defensively, or they or they can solidify a spot for him, yeah, it's going to be a problem. Can we just enjoy him for a little while before we start talking about fucking contracts? <laughs> right, but I did. I love did. I mean it, but I mean, oh my god. I did tie him in with with Mookie Betts, though, and I'm like, you know, it's, I guess the point that I didn't, I wasn't thorough enough with is it's going to kind of, like, Mookie, Mookie's very pending unrestricted free agency has taken a back seat to Michael Chavis, and I'm sorry if I'm the first one to the party, because I am... More often than than anyone. Party really. hasn't even started yet. <laughs> We're trying to get the party started. Six o'clock. The early the early people are still showing up, and most people don't show up till eight. That's Look, what I get. Your point. That's when I show up. That's that's when I show up. But you're you, always your mindset is always in the future, and I and I I get it a hundred percent. Like Jerry's like a planner. I think ahead, Jeremy. I don't. I don't. This is just too much. It's I don't. Too much. I don't. You know. Hey, make, let's talk about zeros. Yes, let's just talk <laughs> yeah, about zeros. Go, Steph, good transition. Who, who you got, Stephanie? 
my zero, and I want to make it very clear before everybody starts blowing me up. My zero this uh, series is Devers defense. Defense only. I know he might have had a couple good plays, but he had one that we're all talking about that cost us from sweeping this series. So it's Devers, little baby D, just for his defense. I don't need the hate mail. I know he's good offensively. Devers, defense, game one. It's been such a good series that I had a hard time picking a zero. So take it. Shame on you, you, Stephanie. I know. Well, I, I, I totally I, – I, I like the qualifying fact that it's just about his defense because when your team is struggling, and obviously things are better now three days later when we won games two, three, and four, but that area was big. And, and teams that are struggling, the little things just blow up into real big things. And, and that it could was have been what swung the series, you know? It could have – gladly we rebounded and we came out and we played hard the next few games and we took them and we – banked them and we won and it was fantastic and we're all sitting here going yay we're having a hard time picking a zero but it could have just as easily uh i think one of you said it earlier snowballed and it we could have came out game two heads hanging low and threw the series away yeah i mean i 100 percent agree and, and just you know quickly it, when when you're going bad it's the little stuff that turns into big stuff and his defense has been a problem, especially just with balls hit at him. Because he also, in that same game, uh, third or fourth inning, he made a play where he had, when he when he dove and he threw the ball, both his left and right foot were in foul territory. I think it was against Abreu, who's, who's not fleet of foot, so it was one of those things where the runner was a product of the nice play. But it was really a good play. It was a web gem. But right. you, when your team is struggling um, – those things are just they're they're killers and obviously they overcame it. Devers defense I would put up there with Bradley's offense as far as the biggest eyesores and and hurdles this team is still facing. So totally love your zero. Here's another one. And it's painful because I like the guy and I and I think he'd be such an asset if he would start hitting against left-handed pitching. Steve Pierce has sucked has sucked a lot. He he went 0 for 5 today. He offered absolutely nothing. For example, Chavis was 0 for 3, but Chavis drew two walks. So right. he was actually a net positive. Now, what what's the difference between a bases empty, z- zero out, base hit, single, and a, and a walk? Nothing. Nothing. You're still on first base. You've you've gotten the job. You can't steal first base. So now you're. But when you go 0 for 5 in the middle of the lineup, I think he hit 6 today. It's He's just been really, really bad. So um, he started the season on the disabled list, so he's only played in 16 games. But he's got 51 at-bats, which, by the way, is the exact same amount of at-bats as Chavis. He scored four runs. Uh, I'll use Chavis as the barometer just to show you the the low end and the high end. Uh, Chavis is 13. Uh, He has six hits. Chavis, 17. One double. uh, Zero home runs. Chavis has eight extra base hits. 13 RBIs for Chavis, three per Pierce. He's hitting 118 with a 196 on base. Mm-hmm. He's slugging 137 again. He only has the one extra base hit. His OPS is like 471. I'm sorry, it's 334. I added two numbers together to try to help him out. Can't do that. He has been just god-awful. And it's to the point where we are a week, 10 days away from if he doesn't get it going, the Red Sox are going to be forced to make a move by the time we get into the better part of the schedule. I would expect that he's going to get some at-bats here against the Orioles. 
the Orioles being the slump buster, try to get him going because this team is better with him hitting left-handed pitching in the middle of the lineup uh, in a platoon with Moreland. So I, I really think they're going to give him some patience, but the patience is going to run out. In another 10 days, we're going to be a quarter. I think it's we're approaching a quarter of the way through the season or something like that already. He's been that bad. So, uh, and on an expiring deal, so there's nothing to lose. My zero is Steve Pierce, unfortunately, World Series MVP. That's fairly, you know, low-hanging fruity. He's been terrible all year, like you said. And, uh, you know, we, we got a lot of pieces coming back. We're going to have Brock Holt back pretty soon. Uh, some prospects that are near Major League ready. I don't know if they'll be delusional enough to bring Pedroia back. He did have a three-for-four day in Portland yesterday. So a lot of uh, awkward fits. But, I mean, Chavis is not going anywhere. And, I think Steve Pierce is just the most expendable guy on this on this roster right now. So I don't. Maybe he won't even be here in ten days. That might, that might be a huge window right now, for all we know. So um, and he could easily fit in with. He's going to play every day, but he could easily fit in that right-handed platoon type situation and take Pierce's at bats. You're right on that. Yeah, I think so too. Um, all right, uh, this is maybe a borderline savage pick um, that was recommended, uh, you know, by another co-host, um, Ryan sure. Brazier. <laughs> Ryan Brazier. In all fairness, I I had to ask for uh, an assignment on this one, but I, I happily took it. I should take the savage one every time. Um, Ryan Brazier. Now he was on the mound when we uh when we were walked off by the uh white Sox in game one of the series which was really painful especially because we just swept the previous team we could we could have been looking at a streak here uh of seven games but but he comes onto the mound in the start of the ninth uh strikes out the uh first batter of the inning off to a great start Devers kind of boots the routine grounder, uh, as Stephanie was pointing out. And so the runner gets on after that. And the whole tempo of the game changed at that point. And I think Brazier was a little bit rattled by it. And if you go back to the playoffs, he had a really short leash. He had to get pulled, you know, within just a batter or two. A couple times, you know, once he let them on base, Cora just didn't want to take a chance. And he was terrible in the month of September with runners on base. So while this Chicago start might be a little bit of a blip, and hopefully that's all it is, we might be looking at a guy who who struggles with pressure. You know, when, 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 when he allows base runners, comes in with base runners on, and... I think Cora is right on the money by by intentionally giving Barnes the heart of the order, the highest leverage part of the order, you know, whether that's the seventh, eighth, or ninth inning. And, uh, you know, so I just think it bears watching, uh, you know, and and he's my uh, he's my zero today. But And he, he didn't pitch the rest of the series either. So it is kind of savage because a lot of the issue was – Devers, because that was just a brutal. I mean, Major League third baseman should not make that error. Now, with that said, sometimes there's a mistake made behind you. 
um, a guy who was famous for letting it affect him, John Lackey, would literally stand out on the mound on national television and motherfuck whoever made the mistake. <laughs> I mean, he's such a dirtbag about it. I hated that right. about John Lackey. Now, I remember that. With that said, he'd compete his ass off and he helped win a World Series here. So, in my mind, John Lackey was a, was a, is still a Red Sox. But I hated that about John Lackey. And Frazier... Um, is not that guy. He's not going to go out there and, and you know, oh, endeavors and make right. a thing like it's uh, now it's not my fault and I'm going to let everyone watch and know it. No, he didn't. But his performance was a lot almost like he wanted to. Um, his stuff is good enough to pitch out of that. His stuff is good enough to overcome it. And at the time the mistake was made, there was a man on first and one out. I mean, you're not going to score runs there without a hit. So and that so just get people out, you dink. And he didn't. And and he gave up a home run to a guy, first of all, who's an adult going by the name Nicky, okay? By the time you get to 14 years old, you got to strip that thing back to Nick, okay? I mean, you got to do it, rule number one. All right, so Delamonica hits his first home run of the year. The guy's been an absolute zero on a terrible roster. Uh, so I understand it was Devers, but Brazier, be better. Pick up your teammate. And we all know he right. sucks defensively. He's going to make mistakes. Anyone that's uh, anyone that's shocked by a Devers, uh, anyone on the pitching staff who's shocked and like upset and can't come back from a Devers uh, error is looking for excuses. So go out and make the make the pitches that you need to get your team to, to the win. And you know, I think a lot of it has been overcome by the way the offense came alive, games two, three, and four. And the bullpen was really good. Um, I think Brewer gave up an earned run in game two. Other than that, the bullpen was awesome. I mean, really, really awesome. So, Starting pitching yeah, was awesome really too. Well. Starting well, well, I guess we'll just get into the general uh, segment now. But starting pitching, I think, gave up what two runs or less the whole series, I believe. And uh, I don't have the Oakland numbers in front of me, but they're they have improved immensely. And I think their ERA is in the twos for like collectively for the last ten or twelve games, something like that, probably. Going back to uh, the the Tampa series, but um, so that's nice to see. I mean, that's part of the reason why we're closing the gap. Um, the you know the bullpen, like you know the bullpen's been solid all year, really. I mean, a couple of blips, and unfortunately, Brazier's been a part of two of the most painful ones. But um, yeah, I mean, Walden has emerged and. Out of nowhere, the guy's a journeyman, almost thirty years old, but pitching very well. Yeah, I and, like Walden. Yeah, and you mentioned Brewer. That guy's still an enigma to me, and he's basically all curveball. So you know, his command is going to have to be really good for him to be consistent. You know, in, in relatively high leverage roles, but but even our, even Thornburg pitched okay in this series. Ugh. I was anti-Thornburg for a while. Yeah. yeah I'd still I thought he think, pitched okay. I mean... He's the odd man out once uh, Lakens comes up, but... Yeah. Any thoughts on uh, pitching, Jeremy? Well, I'm going to lead to Terry's point here. Uh-oh. Uh, because I've never seen someone so geeked up to talk about something as this topic. So let me just, let me just do a lead-in here for Terrence. Price... Hat should have won game one. Now, obviously, the, the Devers error and Brazier doesn't do his job. And he goes in the media after the game and, and starts complaining about the baseball being juiced. 
Um, to me, do it on a day. Like, I'm okay with you bitching about the rules. I'm okay with you bitching about umpiring generally or the replay system or whatever may be the subject issue, right? Don't do it immediately after a game. Don't do it when it seems an excuse. Uh, so, with that said, he did bring up the juice balls, and Terry, <laughs> go ahead, bud. Well, David Price wasn't the only one who brought up the juice balls. The Nesson postgame crew, Tom Karen, um, the pitcher, uh, the utility guy there, uh, Steve Lyons, and I think it was Manny Del Carmen uh, on that crew. Uh, pointed out that several balls coming off the bats aren't looking like balls that are going to eventually go out. But for whatever reason, including that uh, ninth inning, uh, you know, walk-off, you know, looked like a pop fly that was going to get caught, but it, it carried and carried and carried. And it, it's a huge topic right now. You know, a lot of national writers were all over it this week. Uh, I don't have the exact number in front of me, but 1,100 and change, definitely in the 1,100 somewhere, is the number of home runs that was hit the first half, uh, the, excuse me, the first month of the season, and that is an all-time record. And, I mean, we can go into some other numbers here. Uh, 2014, there was uh, 4,186 home runs. The number steadily went up in 2017. It peaked 6,105 home runs. 2,000 home runs more than just three years earlier. And based on other studies, the ball started to change halfway through the 2015 season. So what, what are your thoughts on, I mean, the data is eye-popping here. It's not just the elephant in the room. It's a herd of elephants in the fucking room. So what, what are your thoughts on it? I, I'm, not, I'm not for it. I'm not for any, it's, to me, it's fake baseball. I, I like real sports with real people using real ability with no enhancements whatsoever, whether that's needles in their arms, whether it's equipment being altered. I'm not. I'm not for it. I think it's a fucking disgrace, and I don't want. I, I'm just tired of seeing my sport manipulated in a bunch of different ways. To, you know, to for no reason whatsoever. Well, to quote my husband, if we can't juice the people, why can we juice the balls? Uh, your husband is, is a smart man. Well, he married me. So he, exactly. So that went without saying. But Jeremy, what are, what are your thoughts on it? I'm gonna, I'm gonna. It's gonna be D Day with the rest see, of the stuff I'm that I guess have. It's but what opposite? Well, it's not artificially opposite. It's how I feel. I mean, and I've come out pretty strong on a number of topics: science dealing, uh, steroids, especially just HGH specifically. Um, baseball has a has a clean game issue. Steroids are mostly out of the game, and the numbers have the offensive numbers have decreased as a result. And they're also facing an issue with new fans. They're they're not generating new fans. Baseball's in a little bit of trouble here, folks. Okay, in ten years, if young people aren't watching our game, there's going to be a major correction with the revenue stream, TV deals, player salaries, potentially having to downsize the league itself. 
This happened to hockey a few years ago, and I don't want to get into hockey and some of the rule problems that happened 10 or 15 years ago, but it, it's, it, it's similar, and it's concerning as a fan of the game. I want baseball to be around, and I want young people to be attracted to it. <laughs> um, I'm not that old, and I'm not necessarily an old guard type of fan, you know, but it, it's concerning, and because they've come out so strong against steroids and basically have said, you, you know, you can't, you can't do HGH, which isn't even really performance enhancing. It's it's <laughs> it's health enhancing. It it helps you heal, but it does not grow muscles like a, like a anabolic steroids. So again, not to get into that, but so we can't have steroids. So what are they going to do to get the ball going? To get the ball to jump off the bat a little bit more? They're they're going to juice the baseballs and juicing the baseballs is, is kind of an interesting term because uh, if you've ever cut a baseball in half, the composition of a baseball is relatively simple. Uh, and one of the ways that you could make a baseball uh, harder is to wind the, the thread around the core tighter, making it something that, that is just going to have a higher turnaround because it's harder. Now, these athletes are so good and can catch the ball. So in Little League, a, a baseball or an aluminum bat could cause problems for catchers. I'm not catchers. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, pitchers and third basemen. Uh, but in Major League Baseball, there's no risk to the athlete. So what the concern is basically is artificially flying baseballs. I have no problem with it. You still got to hit the ball. You still got to hit it good enough to get out. Uh, some teams, uh, the Astros, uh, Safeco just did it, I think, two years ago, have brought the fences in to address the issue. Um, I, that wasn't a big issue for a lot of people. In fact, I would bet a lot of podcasters listening right now would be surprised by the fact to hear that um, it's not not Safeco anymore, but Seattle brought the the the, the, the stands in to, to try try to get the ball to fly a little better and to produce more runs. Look, the game is better when when runs are being scored, and look every with the advent of uh, not the advent, but the increased popularity of betting on sports. That includes prop bets, like over-under. It includes uh, over-under for pitching earned runs. And, and and it also includes daily fantasy sports, like FanDuel and, and basically all Yahoo's into it now and DraftKings. And how does that – that helps young people come into the game, especially young people with some coin who have the money to play these games. Terry, I know Terry does play these games. I've seen his lineups from time to time. And if if games are two to three, people are not going to want to play daily fantasy sports. So what they're doing is they're trying, and, and I'm going to assume they're doing it. Okay, I'm going to assume they're doing it. I just don't have a problem with it. I, I think it it is promoting the healthy growth of the game, getting it to the younger fan base, getting it into the hands of people that want to gamble on it, both for the aspects of the money line and over under, but also the daily fantasy sports. All of which, by the way, I partake in. So, for me, they can't do steroids. And they, I'm sorry, guys and girls. They mm-hmm. don't want one nothing games. Now, I love a one nothing game once a week. And if and Terry and I, uh, I think, agree on this, that if we get the alert on our phone that someone's through six on a no-hitter, we're going to go leave what we're doing and watch a game. But... Games that are six to five, seven to five, seven to six, eight to seven—they're better. They, they grow the fan base. People want to watch those games. Now, whether that's right, wrong, or indifferent, okay? Because my dad's going to sit here and go, "Well, Jeremy, if they don't want to see a, a four to three game, they should go watch a different sport." Well, guess what? They are, and it's a problem. So we need to see runs, and if if they means juicing the ball, which again, 
is a relative term uh, because it's just, it's a I mean, terrible <laughs> term. it's not a great term, admittedly, but it also it's 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 a good adjective because it gets people's attention and it creates kind of a controversy. And, and people that use the term are people like David Price. OK, <laughs> they're not like, you know, uh, for example, in Colorado, they actually keep the ball in the humidor. Uh, which changes the composition of the baseball that's used in that stadium versus the and, and it's a, to address the altitude, admittedly, but it's still not the same way it's handled in every other stadium. Um, so I mean, it's just one of those things. I mean, in hockey, they keep the puck in a freezer. A lot of people don't know that, but they actually have the puck uh, at the red line in a in a in a thing that keeps them uh, at 32 degrees. So it is what it is. Uh, all sports have had some issue with the balls. We've had Deflate Gate. Uh, NBA players, some bitch about the ball all the time. And, you know, it's just one of those things. I, I think it's good for the game as far as growing the game. But uh, with that said, Terry. Well, the whole baseball is dying. It's, you know, losing fans is the biggest crock of shit I have ever heard. You know, why? I never said that. Hold on. I never said they're losing fans. I never said that. Oh, what did you say then? Correct the record. I'm. Not correct. Well, first of all, if we got a court reporter on this thing, I'm not under oath. I'd like to put that on there. Well, what like what did you say? I, I did not say we're losing fans. I said the game is not growing. Young fans are not coming to the sport. Okay, the that that is what you said. That, that's last... what you said. That is what you said. Yeah. So, um, but it's still it's still that notion, which you know you've probably read in other places, is is a crock of shit. Uh, 17 years in a row, MLB revenue has gone up. It went, it crossed the $10 billion mark in 2018. For the first time, it, it went above $10 billion. Uh, Excuse me, that was 2017. $10 billion, and then last year, a little north of that, $10.3 billion. I do not buy that one bit. Baseball is fine. Money is up. Massive TV deals are getting handed out left and right. The Phillies signed one a few years ago. Um, I don't know if it was Houston. Another team signed one uh, last winter. I don't. That that's just bullshit propaganda that MLB is putting out there to advance their initiatives. So I'm not. I, you, this guy will not buy that. Uh, you know, there's other data out there that contradicts it. Um, Here's another thing. MLB, all they've said, which isn't really an admission or anything, it's that when, when they're pressed about the balls, all they say is, well, there's just natural, um, you know, there's just natural progressions in how the ball is constructed. Just over the years, it, you know, things evolve. That's all they said. But when they're asked point blank whether the balls are juiced or not, why can't they? Why can't they be honest about it? Why can't they just say yes, the balls are juiced, or why can't they say no? They don't want to. They just don't want to touch it. So why is it? Why is it the shadiest fucking subject right now? And why are all these players, Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, David Price, Trevor Bauer, calling out Major League Baseball right now? If it, if it's okay, why can't MLB just just you know say yeah yeah we we altered the balls? I mean I don't know why they're not. I mean I'm again I'm assuming they are, and I'm, I'm they, assuming they they're winding the yarn tighter, and it's making the ball harder, and therefore it's traveling better. I 
I, I, I don't have an answer to that. It also, I started the segment by saying I hate when they bitch about it the day after a start. Do, do it in a different context, and it comes across better. Um, now, with that said, um, you're quickly dismissing the, the growth of the game argument, and I'm not going to get into a growth of the game argument with you. Well, why is the but money getting whether, bigger? Whether it's real or... I'm sorry? Why, why is revenue growing, then? Address that, if I'm wrong, because I, I, can, I can screen that shop for you and send it to you. I mean, so why, why, well, is, why is everybody getting richer if nobody's paying for it? Because people are paying for so, it. So, all right. Well, well, the, the the current demographic of baseball has money. I mean, it's it's baby boomers that are now retiring. It's a, a segment of the population that carries the far majority of the wealth, and so the revenue is has at least stayed consistent or grown as a result of the TV deals that are relying on that demographic. I'm not talking about that demographic. I'm talking about the demographic that's coming next. Once the baby boomers start stop consuming the game, which is probably going to be because of passing, and the people that yeah the people that come next that's the concern and what and and look right wrong and different real or perceived baseball's reacting to it okay and baseball's not going to react to it to hurt the game that's just I mean I mean it's like a delivery driver uh, stabbing his tires or. or or you know, a, a, you know, a lawyer rooting for robots to, to run the courtroom. I mean, it just it, it doesn't make any sense. And and so what what else are they doing? They're they're also overreacting to pace of play, uh, in my opinion, because um, they're not speeding the game up and not. And if they are, it's like minutes and not tens of minutes, which is what would be necessary to make an appreciable difference. So, but they're you know. It's not just baseballs. It's pace of play. It's review. It's 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 changing the neighborhood rule at second base. It's uh, all the things they've done um, to try to address the concerns of the the consumer that isn't there yet, the people that aren't watching it on a daily basis. That that I mean, that's who they're trying to get at. I, and your point is well founded as far as the current where baseball is currently. I agree. I mean, look, my dad's seventy three years old. He consumes baseball like a psychopath. Like he records every game, watches it live, and then will like get up and rewatch it. And look, you know, one of the things that has grown, why my dad's one of my best friends, is is our love of the game of baseball, among many other similarities. But you know, so I say it with love. But like we consume the game like psychos. I do the same thing. I, I'm, you know, I watch a game. I'll go re and I watch uh, TV live, but I'll still go rewatching at bat because I just love the swing. Like I'm, a, I'm a nerd, but that's not the next demographic. It's not, and and whether the 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 data is there to support that or not, I don't really care. That's just my theory, and it could be wrong. I'm I'm not sitting here saying I'm 100 percent right. I don't think you're wrong, and I don't have a strong opinion either way on juice balls. Let's be honest, but um, I don't think you're wrong, Jeremy, and what you're saying about the next gem- demographic because I'm raising a bunch of them, right? So I have a bunch of little millennials and then the next generation behind that living in my home and they're very much a short attention span because they live in a world where and you know now we're talking generational stuff but they live in a world where everything comes at them short quick and fast right they want their attention grabbed they want it quick so it makes sense what you're saying they want to see fast games fast runs I I get that I I understand that point Um, so that makes sense Terry, to your point as well, though. So I don't think I think Jeremy's talking about like the next group to come. He's not saying baseball's in trouble today. He's saying baseball's in trouble in 
five to ten years, and the MLB is overreacting to that and trying to do things now to fix it for the future. Um, There's no current data to support that, though. It, the money is getting bigger and bigger. It's exploding. And so right, to try right. to predict future data is just bullshit, and it's phony baloney propaganda. And that's what I'm getting at here is the – Rob Manfred and all of MLB executives have an integrity issue right now, and they're fucking lying to us. So here's another one. I, we we spent the whole winter getting pace of play jammed down our throats, and as a consequence of this, next season, we're going to have the three batter minimum. That's set to go in effect next season. Jeremy, you were strongly against that. I recall that very well on that show when we had Chris... Saunders on and with all these juice baseballs flying over the fence that's more home runs more at bats more pitching changes and none of these games are going to be finishing in under three hours go find find me two games so far this season find me two that had a combined 10 runs whether that was six to four uh you know seven to three eight to two 10 combined runs and show me a game that ended in under two hours because most of them went three and a quarter hours, three and a half, and if the, if there was a shit ton of runs, close to four hours, okay? So they're trying to have it both ways. They're trying to cram two agendas down our throats that, that cancel each other out, and it's fucking bullshit, and it's an integrity issue, and I don't like being lied to. I don't want to destroy the entire traditions of the sport because fucking Rob Manfred has a fucking heart on right now to make his own personal fucking imprints on this game. And here's another thing. They want to they want they've talked about lowering the mound, moving the mound back, raising the pitch zone. This this is a this is a sanctioning body that will sell their fucking soul to to alter everything that made this game great in the previous 40 years and while all this is going on the revenue is going is is skyrocketing like i can't it's fucking bullshit you i'm not going to be sold on juiced fucking baseballs and i i don't have a ton of numbers here but scherzer is getting killed right now he's already at 21 home runs on the season he was at 62 all year last year I mean, why are the Nationals going to pay $30 million a year to, to have fake fucking baseballs destroy all their value that they invested into this guy? And I'm sure he's not the only one. Wow, there's a lot to unwrap there. Yeah. Uh, along with the 30 or so F-bombs. Um, so where do I start? Well, I guess I'll start where you ended. Max Scherzer's 34. And he's not in the prime of his career. I do think he's still capable of being a lead pitcher. Um, to say that a juice baseball means pitchers aren't worth I mean, look, the better pitchers are still going to get paid the most. Now, contact guys, you could see die off. Like, would Maddox survive in this era or, or the era we're approaching, I think? Because this is, I think, the beginning of it. So in five years, if the mound's lowered and balls are wound tighter and altered are guys like Maddox um, would, would that change their you know 
applicability to the game. It's possible. I, I still think soft contact's going to be out. Soft contact's the, the, obviously the best way to go. I think what you're seeing is, um, though, the natural reaction would be to swing and miss guys, put in play rate, that sort of thing. Um, because obviously, if you can't put the ball in play, or you're a guy that has a, you know plus stuff with a plus fastball, um, you're going to have less balls put in play. And then you know the the <laughs> if you have no contact, the uh, no contact, the 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 velocity of the contact is not going to matter. Um, now, with that said, uh, you, you know integrity is always a, a problem with the way these sports leagues are run. Um, because frankly, I think they take themselves too seriously. These are entertainment at the end of the day, and I mean, football has a huge integrity issue. Uh, the the commissioner of hockey is still on record. Gary Bettman is still on record saying there is no link to head trauma, and uh, and and uh, what's the acronym for that terrible disease? Um, the the brain disease, co- uh, chronic encephalopathy, or whatever it's called. CT. That's it. CT. Of course, I would remember the scientific name, but not the acronym. Um, so, I mean, hockey has an integrity issue with the CET issue, uh, football, m- numerous issues, CTE, cheating, punishing their athletes for mistakes, uh, domestic violence, baseball for reasons that Terry have highlighted and others, and, and, and basketball as well. The game's the way the, the way the games are officiated. I mean, if you're a Boston sports fan, just look at the Milwaukee-Boston game. No, even Milwaukee is like just sitting there over there like, oh, my God, that was awful. There's integrity across the board. This is these these leagues. These the, the the managing bodies of these leagues take themselves way too seriously. Like they're running a, a goddamn government. Not you know not to get in the whole government thing, but I mean look, right. it's 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 inherent in these. It's inherent. It doesn't make it okay though. entities and 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 look at the end of the day, there's a shit ton of money, and the guys at the top are making the most. I mean, I, I, and I don't know what um, Manfred's making. But Goodell's making like forty-four million before options and incentives. I mean, these guys are making way more than the the athletes, way more than the athletes. So they care. They do care. Now, with that said, the agenda and everything else, I I, I am uh, going to agree with Terry on the juxtaposition between pace of play and more runs because obviously the. More runs uh, inherently means more time. You got more people on base. Da, 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 da. Um, I do think they should widen the strike zone. I think that that would help. Uh, home runs technically should not lengthen the game by more than the at bat it took hit the home run because uh, obviously a home run is one pitch and then rounding the bases and you're right back at it. But it, the point's well founded and I don't disagree with it. I, I and I do think there's a lot of things baseball does that are inconsistent with other positions taken. And I think that also. Um, you know, again, happens across all sports. So, you know, there are points. This league is not run perfectly, okay? It's not. Uh, and and um, while I disagree with Terry's point about uh, altering the baseballs because I do want to see more runs, maybe not for myself but for, for, for the fan base that wants to see it, um, I do understand that there are tons of inconsistencies. And this game is not run perfectly. It's not. 100%. Totally agree. You know, using other sports. I mean, we should be better than all those other sports. I mean, just because they're fucking it up doesn't mean we should be doing it. Uh, Here's another thing, too. And and this kind of goes into pace of play, you know, whatever. If 
if the game is like 12 to 1, like we saw a lot of, you know, yesterday, what was it, 15 to 1, 16 to 1, something like that. Most of the time, the the fan base, both fan bases, you know, for the teams involved, probably aren't watching it, and they're especially not watching it if it's if it's the Orioles versus you know the Angels or whatever, or the Blue Jays or the White Sox. When two shitty teams are playing, and the you know the score is so wide, nobody's watching those fucking games. So I just, I'm I'm not going to. Back to your theory of do they juice the balls just for certain teams? Well, that was, I was putting that out there to put it out there because two years from now I can come back to this tweet and say, look, I was early to that party too. But, uh, yeah, (laughs) I, um, and Jeremy, if you didn't see it, I, um, you know, I said, well, and, and this is I an integrity it. issue. This is way the fuck <laughs> out there. Sure. This is way the fuck out there. But what I did say was, you know, if, if MLB is willing to, you know, be dishonest and shady about their knowledge of juice baseballs, will they be shady enough to give them to certain teams, you know, like big market teams? Now, that's big time conspiracy theory, and I, I'm not sure that I believe that, but where there is... A, a clear integrity issue. I don't know that they won't necessarily do it in the future. Now, go back to the 2017 World Series, just that round of the playoffs. That was the Astros versus the Dodgers. There was 24 home runs total hit in that World Series, by far more than any other previously. And Verlander and at least one other pitcher. I should have wrote it down. We're saying the balls are different. Right now in this series, the balls are different. So MLB wanted to, you know, get the ratings way up there. They were probably a little pissed off that New York wasn't in the World Series and that the Astros ended up in the World Series instead. You know, a New York, L.A. market, literally the two biggest markets in the country, that is their dream World Series, and the Astros fucked them. But... Nonetheless, they said the balls felt a lot different in that series, and you got 24 home runs out of it. So I'm just saying this this is a, a, a sanctioning body that's, that's willing to fuck with things. And so I put that tweet out there simply just to, just to put it out there. It's getting to the point where very few people probably trust MLB executives less than me. So... You know, I just, uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's terrible, and I'm not going to be on board with it. And if you allow it, and everybody accepts it, what's the next thing? Are they going to move the the mound back a couple of feet? Are they going to, you know, lower it or fuck with the strike zone or whatever? And it's just disgusting. And this generation of hitters isn't talented enough to lay down a fucking bunt. They can't even do that, so we're 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 dumbing it down for them, and I I'm just I'm never going to be on board with it. I, I'm not I'm never going to be in favor of fake baseball. You know, I want real human beings doing real things, unaltered, unmanipulated. You know, to me that's inspiring. You know, I like to see I like to see human beings do awesome things. You know, and not with like I just said. So, 
I don't know. Those, those are my thoughts you're on a, it. You're a purist of the game. I yeah. am, and I'm a millennial. Lean all around. I'm a millennial too, so you know, I'm in the demographic that that you know should shouldn't be content with it. I'm, you know, and just a personal thing. I mean, I wasn't on Ritalin or anything in the '90s because I think I just missed that boom or whatever, but. I my attention span is pretty fucking short, you know, and I'm glued to the TV. I can't get enough baseball, you know. It's been a shitty start to the year for me personally. My mother hasn't, you know, she's been in the hospital, bouncing from the hospital to rehab. She just had a, a setback the other night, and so I just haven't been able to plop down in front of the TV and, and see as much of it. But I love baseball, and if the Red Sox aren't, you know, if that game's not competitive, I'm going to go see what the Brewers are doing or what the Diamondbacks are doing. Blake Swihart hit his first home run today for them. Um, and I just, I don't want my sport getting fucked with. And here's another thing, too. I'm a NASCAR fan. Well, not so much anymore, but that was my first sport. You know, because I've got family in, in local racing, not not NASCAR. but um, And I watched that sport boom throughout the 90s. Hundred and sixty to two hundred thousand people at racetracks, and now they're removing bleachers because they're so embarrassed by nobody in the stands. So they gotta they gotta eliminate the bleachers so the people are you know closer together and you know and and they fucked with the rules of it you know and it, the ratings are, are dropping every year and and they fixed it until it broke and. I just, and I, I guess I, I should have thought of this sooner, but getting back to MLB, you still need the old fans. You still need that older demographic and, and the 40-somethings now that are going to be retired, you know, by the time Harper's contract runs up <laughs> or, or Trout's contract. And because they're going to be the ones consuming it as well. You can't lose that. You can't lose that demographic. So, it's it's just not worth alienating, you know them. But I don't know. So, All right, Jeremy. Final thoughts. Yeah. First thing, I mean, there's just a ton of to unpack there, which obviously is fair. So I'll just hit on a couple points. One, Terry seems to take the we approach to baseball. I, I'm a fan of all four major North American sports leagues, um, and I also think that with baseball being one that overlaps overlaps at, at one point of the year or the other, the other three, it's it is relevant. It's of course relevant. And the idea that we need to be better than that, like what, what are we ta- what are we talking about here? I think most people that listen to this podcast are, are, are a fan of at least one other sport. I don't have a favorite sport. My son asked me today, Dad, what's your favorite sport? He saw me getting ready to do the recap. I was uh, putting some notes together and he was like, Well baseball's gotta be your favorite sport. Well I mean I played it in college and I played it in high school. Um, and I love it. I played it my whole life, and I watch every game, but I watch every game of the Celtics and the Bruins and the Pats, and I consume Nesson and Comcast Sports Boston. Uh, I guess it's now NBC Boston, regardless of what sport they're talking about. So I, I just don't look at it that way. Um, I, I like to think that I'm capable of responding to what the sport needs in a given moment. I mean, football, for example, has changed dramatically because of the head injury thing. And baseball and hockey and, and basketball have all changed dramatically in the last 10 years for one reason or the other and it happens um to me 
shaking your hand at the rules and the way that these sports attempt to adapt is a little bit man, like an old man yelling at the at the cloud for blocking the sun. So, I mean, it just is what it is. Terry and I disagree on a lot. It's one of the things that I think makes this podcast really great. Um, and this is definitely one of them. I, 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 I am uh, a little bit more of a neutral slash optimistic sports fan. He's, he's more pessimistic and negative. Uh, and that doesn't just translate to the players and the results in the field, but also the way the sports run. Um, I, I think it, it would be hard to run a sports league, and I think these people do have some problems. And I do think there's integrity problems. I agree with Terry on that. Um, but I think it's, again, in all sports, and baseball including. So um, there are tons of issues. Baseball is so much different than it was 40 years ago, 30 years ago. Uh, for Christ's sake, the steroid era was not that long ago. I was in high school and college when the steroid era was in full force. So I'm just uh, – baseball is going to be a lot different in 10 years. And you know what? I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. It's gonna be different. And and parts of it's gonna be better. And parts of it I'm not gonna like. But it's still gonna be baseball at the core of the, of the thing. And and I'm still gonna love it no matter what. And I'm still gonna be a Red Sox fan in ten years, no matter what the sport is. I refuse to be the old man raising my hand and shaking it at a cloud for blocking the sun. There there's so many different ways to improve it, though. I mean, I think it was a spring training game. ESPN had players mic'd up. And you could watch, it was a Red Sox game, actually, so you could watch Mookie Betts talking to Jackie Bradley in between pitches. And there's so many other ways to make this more fan-friendly without completely destroying your your tradition. And like I said, everything that made you great leading up to this. And if they make this one change, what's the next thing? They're not going to be happy with whatever the next change is, and they're not going to be ready they're not going to be. They're not going to be satisfied with whatever the third change is. You know, don't keep fixing it until it's broke. And everybody's the the money's just keeps going up. And the the other thing with baseball is that there's been so many errors. I mean, the, the, more than any other sport, there's been the dead ball error. There's been the gambling error. Mm-hmm. There's been the steroid error. Then there's the lowered mound error. Then they rose raised it back up error. There was there was a time where not only were steroids but Guys like um, Sammy Sosa got popped for corking their bat. Uh, George Brett got popped for, for illegally putting a pine tar, which was pine the most tar. ridiculous ruling of all time. But still, I mean, it, it's it's a sport of errors. I mean, literally. And so to say that that that, that putting microphones on, on Mookie Betts, which is something I actually like, um, would be something that someone that watched baseball in the 60s would like is is kind of laughable. It's 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 applying your own likes and dislikes arbitrarily and not, you know, or, or I'm, I'm sorry, I meant to say subjectively and not objectively. And it's not, you can't do that because everyone likes different things. No one's going to like every little thing. No one's going to like every little thing. It's impossible to make a, a 100% objective decision when this is a sport of subjectivity. I mean, some people like left-handed pitchers over right-handed pitchers. Some like flamethrowers over guys who throw strikes. Some guys like guys that run, that can steal bags where a lot of people would say, well, you can't steal first. I mean, it's, it's, it's an inherently subjective sport. <laughs> and, it, it, and, I, and look, Terry's, Terry, it, Terry is Terry, okay? And I, 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 you know, I respect the fuck out of him, no question about it. I, it I, by the way, I, Steph, I <laughs> sent a text to a buddy uh, a 
couple days ago. That was four days day after I, giving I was, me shit for doing the same him. thing. I was praise. I was praising him, which was so oh, tough because man. I was you like, "Hey, share that." Well, when he did it to me, it wasn't so praise. You know, I was praising him. When he did it to me, he did the same thing to me like a couple months back. He wasn't praising me. He was warning a, a temporary co-host about me. Chris, tough. That was a tough moment. No, I'll tell but you exactly what I said. No, let me say exactly what I said. I, it was, it was Chris's first time on, and and Chris is, you know, probably the most frequent guest of anyone, and and you know he's used to being on with other people, and I, you know, I said. I texted him, you know, probably, I don't know, six hours before the show, and I said, I said, hey, you know, I said, Jeremy's, you know, a little intense, you know, compared to everyone else, so that, you know, just be ready for that. So, I don't know, I mean, if that's, if that's not praising you, I don't think it's the most damning thing ever, but, and then, as a qualifier, Stephanie likes qualifiers, that tweet that text message was like and by the way just to be clear you know and then he praised the fuck out of me but Aww. but that's fine i i'm good with it i'm i'm good with it Real all right we well, first hey, of all let's uh, talk about the Orioles. Yeah, yeah well we're fine we're fine with it <laughs> so like transitioning into the upcoming series you got the uh, one of the worst teams in baseball again um uh, I before entering tonight, the Orioles were a negative sixty-eight run differential, which is like that—that that is, I—it's almost twice as worse as anybody else. But with that said, game one tomorrow, seven oh five, in Gosh, Camden Yards. Yeah, who the who the <laughs> fuck is this guy? I don't know. Is it supposed to rain there? Because I thought that's the guy we put on when it's supposed to rain or something. No. Yeah, he's five. <laughs> I don't know. He's five and eight a career. Uh, he's he actually pitched. In game two in the ninth inning in the six to one game and had a had a clean night. He's got a career five and eight record with a five point two six ERA. He's pitched in sixty eight games, primarily I think out of the bullpen. He's pitched one hundred twenty eight innings, uh, got a hundred strikeouts, and he's got a one point five four WHIP, which is not good. Um, the only positive I'd say about game one is they're facing John Means who. Has a 2.81 ERA. Um, he's making, I think, his seventh or sixth start. Um, he's he's a he's a deceptive guy. Goes change up, left-handed thrower. Uh, I would think we're going to get to this guy the way we've been swinging the bats, but who the fuck knows? Yeah. Candle guards also conducive, uh, including when you add in the juice ball. <clears throat> uh, it's a conducive field for scoring runs, and I would I'm going to assume that we're going to need to score some runs. I also think Josh Smith, without knowing anything about him, admittedly, um, I, I you know I think this is the Velasquez start where if you can get two three innings max, it's a bullpen game because then you go in game two seven oh five on Tuesday night. Uh, David Price, who's been our best pitcher, clearly our ace against David Hess, who has sucked. Um, he could pitch in our starting rotation the first month of the season. Five point three four ERA, one and four. He was actually b- demoted to the bullpen recently, and then. Joined the roster. Uh, I'm sorry, the starting rotation because Alex Cobb, who is a established major league arm, uh, hurt his back. So, you know that that's a game I think we would win. Uh, then game three is Wednesday at 7:05, the day before an off day. Um, so you should be be ready to go with, even if tomorrow's a bullpen game to, to back up Chris. I, look, 
they they suck. They suck. And we split with them three weeks ago, but this is this is setting up nice if we can win tomorrow. Chris Sale, one and five, five point two five ERA. He just came off a start with ten strikeouts. I talked about it in the lead. He, he's I think this is setting up perfect for him to, to build. Um, the only problem is one of their major league players, they don't have many, but one of their major league players is starting opposite him, Andrew Kashner. Uh, someone we talked about two weeks ago when we talked about potential low-hanging fruit for a trade to solidify the starter rotation. Uh, Terry mentioned Kashner. Um, he looks like he came out of the mountains and has been eating raw salmon for like two straight years. <laughs> He's four and one, and imagine being four and one on a team that's twelve and twenty-two with a negative sixty-eight run differential. That's impressive. He's four and his ERA stinks, four point seven one. Um, but uh, that that's a game where if sales okay, and we can get a quality start the way we've been swinging the bat, I, I think you can win that game. You guys have any where, thoughts on this? Where does our uh, white White House? visit or anti-visit fall in this series? Is it at the end of it that we're going to the I White think, House? Yeah, because that yeah. Thursday's an off day. Yeah. Um, getting in, We can touch on that briefly if you guys want. Um, but um, Josh Smith, I joked uh, on that other start that ended up getting rained out you know, where he, he ended up not pitching. I joked that he might be a hot dog vendor or something at Fenway, and they're just <laughs> they're just slapping a uniform on him. And, like, the most basic name in the world. I mean, there has to yeah. be close to a million Josh Smiths in the world. And um, if you Google him, there's a New Orleans Pelican player, you know, with that name. And, and there are all kinds of memes of him going around. Yeah, there's uh, – so, I mean – you know, Jeremy, you mentioned if you get a few innings out of him, that's great, and I, I totally agree. Uh, you could hopefully get Velasquez maybe in after him. He, he could give you two or three, and then if, if you have a lead, maybe you're working with the better part of your bullpen. If yeah, not, if and not, our bullpen's well-rested. Yeah, and we're, we're hitting good, so we're carrying some offensive momentum into the series. Kashner's uh, ERA has come down a little bit, so uh, I don't know if he's, you know, the last few games maybe kind of reined it in a little bit. Um, Chris Sale has definitely reined it in a little bit, so we'll see. We'll see. I mean, we're firing on the What's your guess? Like, we split the series, we sweep. What are you thinking? Well, we've won 8 out of 11, so I, you know, I can't say less than, you know, 2 out of 3 for the Red Sox. Yeah, I like that there's no off day here. I like that the off day after this series, because it allows us to hopefully snowball the way we've been swinging the bats and throwing the baseball into this series against, literally, this team, this team sucks. They shouldn't even be in the big leagues, most of these guys. Kashner, Mancini is a big league player. They don't have many big league players, and, and we faced them three weeks ago at our worst and uh, split with them. I, they'll win two out of three here. Something will happen, whether they lose tomorrow like they kind of should, and then they'll win the David Price and Chris Sale games, or they find a way to win tomorrow, but you know something wonky happens. Two or three. If they lose two or three, I'm not going to be well on Wednesday night. I won't. Oh, this, this is... This, they need to come out of the series nineteen and nineteen or or twenty and eighteen. They have. I mean, this. Agreed. This is the thing that if we're going to be good, this is going to be one of the things that should happen. So I, that's the way I feel about it. Um, 
Yeah, we can't play down to the team we're playing against. And they haven't to the White Sox. So that's, right. that's one of the reasons why I say I'm glad there's no off day here. They're already in um, – they played early. They're already in Baltimore. They're already in the hotel room sleeping. There shouldn't be an issue here. They should go beat the shit out of this John Means guy. So, um, you know, that's where I'm at with it. Uh, yeah, and I mean, if, if we can win tomorrow, then, you know, definitely, you know, that that's – Looking like two out of three for sure. Yeah, I don't have the. Oh, you gotta love Price against against David Hess. So you gotta love that. You gotta love Tuesday night. Yeah, tomorrow's tough. You know, admittedly, because tomorrow's a huge sports day in the city of Boston. Uh, the Bruins can close out the Blue Jackets, and the the Celtics are in a must win. So everyone's playing at the same time. Tomorrow's gonna be crazy if you're a fan of more than just baseball tomorrow. So that's probably why but, Smith uh, got that game then, because <laughs> they can just kinda hide him. Yeah, you know? Watching. Yeah. Um another note here, uh Baltimore has been I think the best hitting park this year, so that plays well with you know, Chavis, Martinez, probably Moreland, uh Betts. I think that's one of Mookie Betts's better away parks. Um, so that's that could play into the no, momentum no we have. No Moreland tomorrow. You're going to see Pierce with the lefty on the mound. So okay, yeah, well, fair enough. Or, or less in Maybe a, this is where Pierce picks up. Yeah, it's good. There's going to be a point, or he's going to be gone in it's a pinch hit situation. He knows it too, sure. Yeah, and let me just underline one more time. After this series, shit gets real. You got the Mariners. I don't know the order here. I was just looking for the tweet that I had that with the actual line you know, team alignments, but we got the Mariners, we got Houston twice, we got the Indians, we got the Yankees, we got the Blue Jays in there, all, you know, from the tenth forward. We have the Rockies as well. And last I checked they were kinda playing better baseball. They were off to a tough start, so um so some some tough series coming up and you know it'd be nice to kind of pad the wins you know against these guys because honestly i mean i think that's 22 games in in all of the the tough teams coming up you know i mean if you finish like three or four games above 500 in that stretch i mean that's pretty good. I mean, I would be content with that, you know, to to wrap up the month of May. But yeah, we gotta start picking up those padded wins, if you will, where we can. Yeah, we're beating the bad teams like we were supposed to. We weren't doing that previously, so I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, do we want to discuss the White House at all? I, I typically try not. I'm kind of a political no. person, but I don't nah. really get into it here. Okay, Alex Cora. Nope. For okay, anyone that good. doesn't know, uh, will not be there, so that's kind of notable. And uh, yeah, that's why I called it the anti-visit. Oh, the anti-visit. Yeah. So my uh, my parting thought here, and I'm going to bring this up at the start of the next podcast because uh, I just want to make a make a point. But we do enjoy the interactions on Twitter and social media, even if they are negative. Um, obviously, the best thing you can do is rate the podcast, give us a nice comment. Something like Terry's takes are terrible, but Stephless and Jeremy are awesome. Something like that would be acceptable. But we do love the interactions on social media, and we do, do love interacting with the people that are listening to our podcast. And if you want to leave us a question, a comment, ideas for segments or anything, uh, it is I can't tell you how much it's welcomed. Um, so you know, just a little thing that I will bring up uh, Wednesday at the start of the podcast. Okay, and that'll actually be Tuesday because uh, of my stupid trip. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then you guys are going to have some fun without me. 
But, uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, we'll be back uh, Tuesday after that uh, game. And um, you guys will have a nice long break after that, though, till Sunday. Um, and, yeah, we'll uh, hopefully, hopefully take at least one of those. If we can win tomorrow, like we said, that's huge bonus. So uh, have a good night, and uh, we'll, we'll see you real soon. All right. Good night, guys. For listening. All right, episode one thirty-one in the books. Pretty successful series, despite the um, botched ninth inning in game one. But uh, yeah, yeah. So we'll take it, and like I said, we'll be back against uh, game two against the Orioles and uh, see you in a little under 48 hours. Have a good start to your week. Take care. Exactly.